You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Well, today I am joined by Brandy Hollis. Brandy is my colleague from Changing Our World. Brandy's a senior director, and uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Jim. Yeah, so we've worked together about six months now, but you've been with Changing Our World... Uh, Not quite two years. I joined in March 2018. Fantastic. And where did you come from? Right before I joined Changing Our World, I came from Nebraska Humane Society. So I worked, I had a career in the nonprofit world Mm -hmm. and also did some university higher education development administration, grants administration. But I rolled off the Nebraska Humane Society Capital Campaign and rolled into Changing Our World. Wow, so lots of campaign experience. It's great. Yeah, and and, you know, I mean, animal campaigns, campaigns for faith-based causes, and campaigns for hospitals, they're they're all the same premise. And I think there's sometimes that competition between groups, and it really doesn't need to be, and we're stronger together. So philanthropy in general, we shouldn't look at it as a definitive pie. We should look at making the pie larger, not necessarily cutting up the same pie into smaller pieces, right? Absolutely. It's not pie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not pizza. It's not whatever. The fact is we really need to connect and build relationships with our prospective donors and our audiences mm-hmm. and find out where their affinities and interests lie and work in those areas and sometimes even work together. I found some really cool partnerships between health and art and different sectors that I would have never thought would have existed. So with the Humane Society, that must have been interesting. Did you come in contact with the animals much? Oh my gosh, it's a miracle I didn't adopt every single one of them. (laughs) I limited myself to, had a dog already, um, and then a cat that ended up being, she was an office foster cat that I was supposed to be socializing her for quicker adoption. And now I have a cat. (laughs) And you have a cat and a dog, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. So they're my collateral damage from that campaign, but yeah. love them. You know, really living that experience with mm-hmm. the animals. And, you know, if there was somebody that was sick and animal medical, we'd bring them in our office and let them heal. And it really bonded us with that animal-human bond and connection. And it really made us bring those stories to life. And so um, today you're working uh, with me in the Diocese of Green Bay here in Wisconsin. And um, we are working for Bishop Ricken and for the the Catholic Foundation uh, for the Diocese of Green Bay. Uh, what do you think so far? We're, we're, we're doing some good stuff here. We're doing some great stuff. And I don't have to wear fleece tights yet because it's not <laughs> winter. So that's awesome. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I did get my boots ready this weekend. I know where they're at. Good. Um, But we're doing some really great things, and I think what's so cool about this is we're integrating um, both capital needs and helping parishes address their capital needs, and also just really transformative support that'll be immediately given to the parishes. So looking at our previous model that we used campaigns for capital and endowment, we're really expanding those options and creating a really comprehensive case for support that more people can grab onto And they can know that that support is going to be generated back to their communities to immediately make change. I personally have enjoyed uh, driving around the Wisconsin area, getting to know the the Green Bay area and all the the outlying parts of of the diocese. I've really uh, also enjoyed getting to know the folks here, some of the friendliest people that I've ever worked with. We have an awesome team here. I mean, really, the people that we've surrounded ourselves here and that have helped build this campaign are so generous and so kind and would give you their shirts off their back. They're amazing 
between people. And those relationships have definitely been something that's kept me here in Green Bay and really kept me motivated every day. But also, too, you mentioned the awesome scenery. I mean, this stadium, you know, it's like we walk out of the diocese and it's right there. Right, Lambeau Field. Yeah, you can see it from here. And then um, just beautiful areas along Lake Michigan that are really, really amazing and Sturgeon Bay and going up to Egg Harbor in those areas. You know, I just never realized the the beauty of the lake and how huge and expansive the lake is. So Brandy, tell us about one of the more interesting uh, highlights of your career. You know, I think one of the most interesting and meaningful highlights was when I worked for the Visiting Nurse Association. We were approached by the Komen Foundation that there were a lot of women in our community and men that had been uh, going undergoing treatment for breast cancer and needed help and support, um, whether it be financial support and figuring out, like, you know, how do they pay their deductibles and their bills, but also just support in their home. You know, maybe they enjoy uh, gardening or flowers and they just didn't have the energy while they were going through chemo to plant flowers to brighten their day on their porch and things like that. So we created a program. Um, it was about a hundred, $150,000 start. I don't know where it is today still, but it's still in existence. And we were able to hire a social worker to be able to individually assess needs and they could do things like plant flowers, cut up fruit. Uh, we arranged transportation to appointments. And then we also um, had our hospice care and home health care. So if the journey got really tough, we were able to make referrals into those programs and have a continuity of relationships. And, you know, not only provide health support, but also just that spiritual support in so many ways, whatever the client needed at that time. It's very powerful. You know, um, my mother used to be a hospice nurse caregiver, and it was more about spending time with the patients and their families than it really was providing hospital care. Sometimes that emotional support and that just being with them on the journey can be even more life-giving than whatever health care we're providing them. I totally agree with you, Jim. Totally agree with you. The um, Watching the person who is the patient advocate in her role do that, you know, yes, the people felt a great sense of relief by being able to get their second car repaired so they could get to appointments and some very practical things like that. But I think the, the bigger thing was that relationship mm-hmm. and knowing that we were individualizing this and thoughtfully going through this process. And um, there were even clients that contacted us you know, into the program and decided, you know, I don't have financial needs, but I would just like you to come talk to me and I'd like to talk about my experience. And we, we accommodated that too. And so it was just a really cool first of its type program there. And also it, it just really, you know, it made us look as an organization, what can we be doing for the community? We were doing home health care. We were doing um, maternal child home visitation, mother baby home visitation, but it just made, made us look at our, our segment of our community and formed a really strong partnership as well. So, Brandy, tell us something fun about yourself. Uh, what do you like to do for fun? Fun? Well, you know, my, it seems like my latest hobby isn't by choice, but it's actually been started by our Green Bay office and our colleagues in our Green Bay office. And I've done this before from time to time that I've done like personal shopping for contacts. People have been hunting out something or hunting out a certain price. And I've scouted it out. And I used to, you know, as a child, I would help my grandma do Christmas shopping for the entire family. But I'm kind of on a secret mission right now, helping a couple colleagues uh, secure some great Christmas gifts for the loved ones in their family. Isn't that neat? Wow. Wouldn't that be cool if I could could just win the lottery and make a big gift to the campaign and then become a personal shopper the rest of my life? I'm going to give you my uh, Christmas list for my kids. You can find me the cheapest uh, prices. (sighs) 
I just signed myself up, you didn't I? You just backed right into that one. Oh, Sorry. Darn it. <laughs> well, Brandy, thank you so much for stopping by the show today. It's great to have you. It's great working with you here in the Diocese of Green Bay and in Changing Our World. You're a very hardworking, very passionate senior director, and I feel very fortunate to have you on the team. Great. That's recorded. I can use that for my review. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Cool. I just want to remind our listeners that next week, Tom Farrell, Anna Baez, and yours truly will be live at the International Catholic Stewardship Conference in Chicago, and we'll be bringing the Advancing Our Church podcast with us. We'll be doing some small group discussions and live interviews on the showroom floor, so I hope you'll stop by our booth and see us. Okay, now for today's show, let's get to work. Our guest today is Dave DiNapoli. Dave is the Director of Development for the Diocese of Portland and Maine, where he oversees all fundraising for the diocese. Prior to the diocese, Dave enjoyed a successful career as a director for Changing Our World, where he conducted capital campaigns and studies with dioceses and nonprofits. Dave brings 10 years of fundraising experience to our conversation today. He holds a bachelor's degree in theology from Franciscan University of Steubenville and was fortunate to study abroad in Austria. He also participated in missions in the jungles of Ecuador. And so, without further ado, here's my conversation with Dave DiNapoli. Well, Dave, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here with us today. Hey, Jim. Glad to be here. So, Dave, tell us a little bit about what's going on in the Diocese of Portland. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're uh, you know, getting ready for fall in New England here, uh, first of all, getting everybody mm. back into school, and uh, all of our schools are opened up last week, and um, got CCD starting everywhere, uh, faith formation. Uh, we just had the 150th anniversary of our cathedral uh, this past week, um, and uh up at the University of Maine, where we're building a new uh, Newman Center, our campus minister- ministers are back and uh, back in action, getting started on uh, on campus, meeting the new students. Beautiful, beautiful. So, Dave, tell us a little about the population that you serve. So, uh, Maine is both the oldest and least religious uh, state in the union. Here, being the whole state of Maine, we have a very large geographic area. Um, that we serve. And as you can imagine, um, as you get closer to Southern Maine, there's more the Boston North community, as they call it. And then in the middle, you have Bangor. And then way up north, you have uh, Aroostook County. Um, so it's, a, it's quite a diverse um, community. Um, it is one that is aging, but there are many young families moving into the Portland area um, and even Southern Maine. So we're sort of seeing a really diverse population here. How many, uh, how many parishes do you serve? So currently we have 54 uh, parishes in the diocese, and that, that's comprised of a little over 140 worship sites. Wow. Um, at one time there were 140 parishes uh, in the diocese, and they've been consolidated down to uh, 54. And they sort of run the gamut from a large parish, 5,000 plus families, uh, to a very small parish with less than 200. It's a beautiful diocese and, uh, and a beautiful area. How long, have you, uh, how long have you been in your current role as director of development? So I started here back in July of 2015. So I'm going on uh, four and a half years here. Um, and it's been really great. Um, I'm the director of development. So I uh, handle all of our 
fundraising and development uh, questions, offertory, our Catholic appeal, capital campaigns that we have in, in parishes, and just kind of oversee the whole thing. And it's been uh, it's been really great. It's a it's a great position to have, and it gives you a lot of opportunity to get to meet a lot of different folks around the area. And so I, I know you are a former uh, Glober, former member of the Changing Our World team. Uh, tell us a little bit about your career, Dave. Yeah, so I, uh, I started out uh, in fundraising, working at the Archdiocese of New York was my uh, first job in the Office of Parish Fundraising there, and then went off to uh, start consulting after that, uh, first in the Archdiocese of Chicago, uh, and then I came to Change in Our World. My time with Change in Our World was really just sort of instrumental in forming me in this position. And when you're a consultant, uh, you're on the outside looking in and you can kind of see where, uh, where, where improvements can be made. And it was really wonderful just to kind of work with all the different dioceses around the country that we did, raising money um, for capital campaigns mostly is what I worked on in, in Catholic churches and a little bit with some religious orders, but really had a, a wonderful time just kind of going in there and uh, you know, going gangbusters and raising a bunch of money, meeting some wonderful people. Um, you know, Dice St. Petersburg, Dice of Trenton, um, and then just the, the Globers that I worked with, uh, you know, just really smart people, really sort of there to help um, and, and form me in this, in this new position uh, that I was in, you know, just really had a wonderful time serving God's church. It does give you a big perspective, doesn't it? Or a bigger perspective, I should say. I did some uh, consulting before. I had your position in the Diocese of Allentown, and I think it really served me well to be able to see kind of the macro of the church yes, and, and work absolutely. with a lot of different kinds of organizations. And then, you know, only only strengthens you as a fundraiser as you take over this institutional uh, development role in, in the diocese. That's great. That's great, Dave. So tell me, tell me a little bit about the land, uh, the landscape of giving in Portland. Uh, how's the economy and uh, is, uh, is it fairly competitive? So, I mean, uh, we're, we have uh, the lowest, some of the lowest unemployment in the country um, in Maine. And I think a lot of that is due to our, our summer population. Um, you know, my wife and I and, and our uh, six kids went out to grab some wings uh, last night. And, you know, the, the people at the, the restaurant were completely swamped. You know, they only had like two waitresses on. And they're like, you know, it was a Thursday night. How many people do you think would be in here? Right. Um, and, and I think that we, we just really have this, um, you know, amazing sort of economy here, um, which is sort of comprised of these older people who are many of whom are retired, um, but stick around Maine because they just love it so much. Um, and then these younger families, but there's just not enough young people to sort of fill all those roles. You know, the, the, the landscape of giving, I mean, we're, we're seeing, I think, like uh, a lot of others in the country. Um, a greater divide forming between our major donors and, and our smaller donors. Back in 2007, when I look back that far um, at the numbers, the numbers of smaller donors and the numbers of larger donors and the numbers of, of donors in between those two were much higher. Um, and so we're seeing a, a smaller number um, this year and, and over the past five years than we, than we did back 10 years ago. And, and that divide is growing. So we're getting, um, you know, these major, major donors and then these uh, smaller donors. But there's nobody there in between in the five to $10,000 range. 
you know, it's just changing. And as people get older, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of our major, major donors are uh, 75 plus. Um, so as we sort of see them die off, it takes a lot more of those uh, younger people and, and the smaller uh, donors to, to get up to that and to fill those gaps. So Dave, do you think that because of the fact that you are losing a lot of these mid-range donors, are you working differently? Are you trying to engage the, the smaller donors? I'm sure you're obviously spending a lot of time on major gifts, cultivating your, your larger donors. Any thoughts on that? Are you working differently these days? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, just the way that we're sort of look, the way that I'm looking at the state is that, you know, we have to really find and, and uh, work on our moves management to, to build that pipeline up to, you know, those people that are major donors. Um, it, I think that, you know, there's a very different demographic here um, than I've seen in other places. Uh, you know, a lot of these people move down to Florida and are all about church. But when they're here, they, they sort of have a hard time, you know, engaging with, with the faith, really participating in, in uh, you know, in the life of the church here. So I think we're, we're sort of looking at, uh, looking at things. And I mean, this year we implemented uh, an, a participation goal uh, for our appeal. And I've been working with the parishes to do increased offertory uh, programs Throughout the diocese, we have started implementing those a few years ago. Um, but I think that the parishes that have really taken to the participation goal have seen a good increase um, in year-over-year donations um, for the appeal, um, which I think is really uh, the key to what we are uh, experiencing here. I think participation is crucial um, for what we're doing. And, and in order to get that participation up, we have to really engage both the older people that were once passionately Catholic and the younger people that are, you know, looking for that sort of religion in their life um, in the minist- ministries and mission of the church. Well, you brought up that increased offertory program. I know that Changing Our World worked with you on that, Dave. Have you seen the results from that? Has that been beneficial to you? I'm, I'm sure that you working working with a limited staff or a limited number of staff, I should say, you know, sometimes working with a, a firm can can help provide a little bit of off-site counsel and, and get the job done. What were your results? Yeah, I mean, we, we saw great results initially. And I think that when I look at the, the numbers, great results, I mean, we saw a 20%, 30% increase in a lot of places. Uh, and then when I look at the results as pre-campaign and post-campaign, we're still up about 15% overall across the diocese. But then when you look at year over year, many of them have dropped back down because from 30 to 15 is a, is a, is a 15% drop. So I think that now, really, I've been focusing on sharing with the parishes, helping them to get a stewardship mindset and to share that with, with their parishioners and to really try to engage them in the life of the parish and then to continue to do the offertory refresher weekends uh, where they ask people again to really just convey and, and acknowledge all of the wonderful things that they've been able to do in the parish, uh, whether that be hiring a new youth minister or being able to plow the snow and pay the, the oil bill all winter <laughs> right. um, or, you know, do preventative maintenance that needed to be done but hasn't been done in years. Share that with them, with their parishioners and acknowledge that and say, you know, thank you for, for being good stewards of our parish. 
and then ask them to really consider uh, tying their offertory to some percentage of their of their income. Help them along that way. Uh, you know, every every winter, every Mainer checks the uh, price of oil per gallon. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them don't realize that the church also pays those bills and needs to have enough money to, you know, be a church to, to, to do the things that need to be done for the physical plant, but then also um, do the things that need to be done to engage new parishioners and, and really, you know, build the life of the parish. So, Dave, as far as uh, increased offertory programs go, I mean, there's usually a couple of different approaches. A lot of uh, a lot of pastors. Um, have adopted stewardship and, you know, we're part of the International Catholic Stewardship Conference. The conference is just in a few weeks. Are you going? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll be there. I think that's, that's, that's a great opportunity to get together with other directors from around the country um, and to see all the uh, consultants and to really engage uh, with them and, and learn some, some new stuff and find out what people are experiencing around the country. Yeah, changing our world will be there. We're we're excited to uh, be a supporter of the conference and have been for many years. Dave, in your diocese, have you seen pastors kind of adopting the spirituality of stewardship, talking the language of stewardship, or are you still growing in that area? Uh, we're definitely still growing in that area. Uh, we have one parish that that really um, you know talks a lot about it. They tithe as a parish. Uh, they give ten percent of their their offertory away. Um, wow, that's impressive. I think that uh, you know that that we're 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 just in the beginning stages of that. There are a couple of parishes that are offering Financial Peace University in order to sort of help down that road. But I think we're we're really just getting started in that, and um, it's something that I've been uh, you know growing in a little bit more myself, and just sort of the idea of it, and uh, and how we sort of can implement it as a diocese. So it's something that I'm I'm really looking at right now, Dave. I'm sure that as you have grown in your position, uh, you understand the importance of having good relationships with pastors. I know in in my role, I've done that quite a bit over the years. I think it just lays a great foundation. Any you know any advice for somebody who might be new in your position and thinking about you know where do I get started? How much time should I invest out in the field? My advice would be to invest all your time out in the field. <laughs> <laughs> Just as it's important to have a good relationship with your major donors in the diocese, it's even more important, I think, to have a good relationship with your pastors. They're your champions out there. You know, uh, when when one of these guys calls me, you know, I drop everything and say, well, how can I help you? What do you need? Um, I try to get around to every parish at least once a year. You know, I do the ones up north in the summertime, so I, I don't have, I don't need a snowmobile. When I first got here. Uh, I went around and and um, met with many of the pastors, and I said, "Well, you know, what can I do for you? How do I? How can I help you be successful in in what you're doing? You know, money follows mission, but um, you know, the money is is sort of my job. So, what can I do?" Many of them came back to me and said, uh, "The way that our appeal goals are set, I feel is unfair." And I heard this sort of throughout the whole diocese. So, my first sort of thing that I worked on was to, to change the way that we calculate our appeal goals. Myself, uh, pretty, pretty number savvy um, and, a, and a scientific calculator, I really couldn't figure out how they were calculating them before. Looking at that and sharing uh, and sort of really diving deep into it, I came up with this formula, um, which I had seen in other dioceses and archdioceses around the country, where it was tied to a percentage of offertory. 
and really, I think that's the best way, especially in a, such a diverse state like Maine, to establish fair goals that the parishes can achieve. And so we, we tied it to offertory, and it's 10.5% of um, their offertory average or whatever they raised in the previous year. And that's what it is going forward. If you're struggling because a mill closed or there's some other sort of issue happening in your town, or a major employer leaves, um, then we're going to contract with you and we're going to you know, make cuts as well on our end to the appeal and, and the goal. Really getting that implemented, you know, I feel like was was the first step in me uh, building that relationship. I think they saw that they could trust me with what they were saying and that I wasn't just going to say, uh, you know, nod my head and then go back and just rain down all these different fundraising things on them. So I think that they sort of began to trust me. And, and now even with capital campaigns, if anybody ever comes, when you guys have come to, to pitch to a pastor about a capital campaign, I'm in the room. I'm there helping them with their, uh, you know, build their committee, and I'm very involved uh, with the parishes and on on everything that we do, just so that the pastors, you know, because I, I feel like they need that support. You know, they have enough going on being good spiritual fathers of the parish that they don't need to worry about doing this other. It sounds thing. like you've taken this uh, to the next level, Dave, and and uh, the fact that you are spending that much time out in the field, the fact that they trust you, speaks volumes. I I couldn't agree more with everything you said there. How are you coaching them when it comes to the Bishop's Annual Appeal? Are you, uh, is, first of all, is it a, a, a required and assessed appeal or is it a voluntary good faith effort? It's voluntary. There's, there's no assessment if you don't make your goal. And I think that that sort of is different than, than other dioceses that I've been a part of. The, or, we were the same way, just so you know, in, in Allentown, we, we had a voluntary goal. So it's a different kind of appeal. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's no uh, there's no rebates either, which uh, which is uh, different here. Um, um, and I and I think that just sort of working with them. I mean, the first year I got here, uh, the year before I got here, they were raising uh, 2.7 million, and then the the first year that I got here and changed the goals around and really sort of um, helped them to see that this was attainable and achievable. And all you got to do is, is talk about it. Um, because, you know, our appeal funds, wonderful things, teacher pensions, Catholic schools, you know, the Catholic charities, Maine, uh, receives a, a big chunk of our appeal, um, lifelong faith formation office. So I think just really sharing with them that that was possible. Um, the first year our, our, our appeal shot up to 3.3 million, um, which was a huge increase over the year before. Last year we raised, uh, you know, three, four, nine. This year we're a little behind, but I, I think it's just, uh, you know, it's just dragging a little bit. But I, I mean, we saw huge increases. You know, I can attribute a lot of that just to to the pastors being more comfortable with it um, and saying, you know, this is how you do it. It's it's really simple. I, I put together a guidebook. You know, I talk with them, and uh, I myself am willing to go out and. Uh, and speak from the pulpit if they if they feel that that's uh, necessary. As part of our uh, appeal, we also offer um, a speakers bureau. So anybody that uh, receives funds from the appeal, we ask them once a year on our uh, lay speaker weekend, which is the weekend before our commitment weekend, um, which takes place in May. And we ask them to go out and and speak about the appeal. Um, and speak about their ministry and put a face to it and, and talk about the people that they encounter in the hospital uh, as hospital ministers or in the prison as prison ministers or 
uh, talk about the people that they minister to on a college campus. Uh, so that has really been, you know, a, a good positive piece that we've that we've been able to implement and a good way of supporting them. You know, a lot of these guys have their different stories. You know, one I know was uh, was a hospital chaplain himself, and just that sort of ministry and being able to speak to that ministry firsthand really is what boosts it up. I mean, with, with coaching pastors, I mean, many of them already have, you know, the tools there. Um, some of them are, are deathly afraid of asking for money. They, you know, they think that there's going to be a, a cross burning outside waiting for them and people with pitchforks outside the parish. <laughs> when I tell them how, how many places I've worked and I've never seen that, that, that sort of gives them uh, comfort. But I think that that also just sharing with them the different the different things uh, that I've experienced over my career and just, you know, people are generous and, and you're not asking for this money for yourself to pad your own pockets. You're asking for this for the church. This is their church. This is not your church. This is not my church. Uh, long after we're gone, the church will still exist here. And whether we're good stewards of it now uh, in the time that we have and whether the people support um, their parish is and, and the appeal and, and the, the ministries of the diocese is really on them. It's, 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 this is their church. It's very well said. And, you know, Dave, I love, I love your story of how you increased the appeal in the first year. That had to be a nice win for the new guy to give the, the appeal I, a shot in the arm. Really <laughs> That's not a bad thing, right? <laughs> no, it was, it was great. And I, and I really do. I attribute it to, I think the excitement of, uh, you know, making that, uh, making, making those goals fair um, and giving the guys something that, that was attainable to, to, to shoot for. Um, and I think that's the same thing that I'm seeing with, uh, with the, uh, participation goals in the parishes. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was pretty great. I'm still, I'm still riding that cloud. Yeah. Ride it, ride it as long as you can. We're always only as good as our last appeal though. Right. We always got to right, right. <laughs> restart and reboot. And here we go again. Dave, uh, you know, the church scandal has impacted, I think, all of us, uh, every diocese around the country in some way, even if it's just the shadow of the scandal. Has it impacted uh, your diocese in a significant way? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it has, you know, we've implemented uh, some different, uh, you know, things in the diocese, new things, reporting systems. But I think that our geographic proximity um, and, and also our just our relationship with Boston back in the 90s and, and then in 2002, you know, the scandals that, that came across um, down in Boston really reached up here uh, into Maine pretty significantly. I think, uh, you know, south of uh, Portland, a lot of people read the Boston Globe and, and um, you know, these, these Boston papers. And then even here in our uh, in our local uh, Jesuit high school, there was a, a priest who was mixed up in, in all of that. So back then is when we really implemented a lot of uh, protecting God's children. So thankfully, we haven't had a, a substantiated uh, claim against the cleric uh, since 2002. So I think that, you know, just our experience of that before um, has softened the effect of the Pennsylvania report and, and the McCarrick situation. But I think that, you know, people, some people who, who just are, are more disconnected, you know, don't know. Our bishop has been wonderful in uh, putting forth letters and really communicating about all the things that have gone on. Last year, we had our uh, appeal uh, thank you receptions that we do in the fall. 
And uh, I mean, you know, the Pennsylvania report, everything was just kind of coming crashing down at that point. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, as we, as we went out to these places, you know, the Bishop was excited. He's like, this is, this is going to be great opportunities for me to be out there and talking with donors and sort of showing them the different steps that went wrong here and, and what we can do to avoid this in the future. It, it was, it's just really a blessing to have him, um, and that he was willing to do that. And, we went around to every part of the diocese. He took questions from from appeal donors and sort of laid out the different things and and what had gone wrong and you know how we can avoid that in the future. And I think that that was just a real blessing to to have him be willing to do that uh, and and to go out and sort of engage the the faithful in that way. Boy, it sounds like uh, the bishop has been extremely proactive. It makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Especially when you're working with donors, if you're working with a bishop who's that accessible and dealing with it head on, even if the scandal is horrible, and believe me, I, I don't mean to undermine that, all of the scandals are horrible, but um, no matter how bad it is, if the guy at the top is uh, is being proactive and addressing it head on, it makes a big difference in our world. So Dave, what's new for your 2019-2020 development plan? Any new initiatives going on? We, we just got this Razor's Edge NXT, um, which has given me a whole new look at my database. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Um, That's yeah, a complicated yeah. piece of software. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that sort of what it's made me realize is that there's so many um, people who were generous to our, our church, um, you know, throughout the last five to 10 years um, who were not seeing anything from this year. Um, so focusing on the appeal for a moment, um, you know, I've been really reaching out and uh, digging down into that database and, and trying to, you know, reach out to those people, um, you know, who were once very connected to the church, but uh, who we haven't heard from. I think that that sort of process is really meaningful um, in the current climate um, and kind of going back and, and, you know, hearing people out and finding out, you know, what's going on? Are you mad at the bishop? Are you mad at the church? Um, you know, was there, was there something that stopped, caused you to stop giving? Did you, um, you know, did your life circumstances change? And really sort of sitting down and, and kind of hashing that out with them um, is, is really my top priority um, this year is, is meeting with those major donors uh, who have lapsed over the past few years. Also with the appeal, I think We've been getting a lot more uh, activity around IRA distributions this year, so really communicating uh, better about that and, you know, finding out who is 70 and a half uh, or older, um, who has to make those minimum distributions. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the activity um, has come from priests in the diocese uh, who have asked me about it. So I think that that's, that's another sort of piece that I'm going to be working on. Right now, we're, we're in a, a time in our in our diocese where there's a lot of parishes doing capital campaigns. We had a diocesan-wide capital campaign uh, back in 2008, which, uh, as you can imagine, was the most interesting time to do a campaign. Sure, like I'll say. Um, Boy, how did that and, turn out? Uh, yeah, it, it turned out pretty well. I think uh, I think we, at the end of it, had about $40 million in pledges, which I think we've uh, collected about $30 million on. Um, most, of, most of that sort of... Um, most of what wasn't paid was, you know, just due to loss of job and, and um, you know, death and that sort of thing. So now that the, those pledges really were finished uh, being paid off, we kind of closed that up about a year ago. And now a lot of the parishes are doing campaigns for, for their local uh, 
for their local needs. Some of those are three and a half million. We're building a new uh, Newman Center up at the University of Maine and built another new church a couple of years ago. And I think parishes are now sort of focusing on those, those capital needs that are local and that needed to be done, but just couldn't because, uh, you know, people were still paying on their, their capital campaign pledges for, for the diocesan campaign. So I've been working with a lot more parishes uh, doing those uh, local capital campaigns for, for their current needs, um, and then just really plugging away and uh, starting to help parishes with their offertory renewals, um, and then sort of beginning that shift um, into a stewardship mindset, because I think that that's really the key um, piece that we're, that we're missing. Sounds like you're busy. That's fantastic, Dave. Uh, any final thoughts for us? So, yeah, I mean, I think just, uh, you know, to, to anybody who's listening to this, you know, there's there, I think that, uh, the future of our church is a bright one. Um, you know, and, and that there's, there's so much that, uh, you know, I've learned here just from being on the other side of the, um, of the consultant's, uh, desk, um, and, and being an in-house guy. And, and I think it's really important. And I kind of tell myself every day, you know, don't, don't, don't uh, don't let yourself get this myopic view of what you're doing. Um, you know, really step back and step outside of your office and, and look in there and say, what is it that that I'm missing? You know, if I was coming in here as a consultant, uh, what what would my uh, what would my tips be for the director? You know, what what can he do or what can she do? Um, and I think that that's really um, been sort of what the biggest struggle. Um, in, in being here um, as an in-house guy is just being able to see, you know, myself and, and really sort of evaluate myself and step out and say, what else can I do? Um, and I think just sort of managing my time on a daily basis and, and finding out how, um, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm making enough uh, donor outreach calls, making sure that I'm in parishes enough, um, you know, making sure that, that I'm uh, doing the things that need to be done um, and driving, you know, driving things the way they need to be driven, um, has really been, been, uh, the biggest benefit that I've seen, uh, lately. Well, I, I can tell you have an honest heart and an honest approach, and I'm sure that, uh, the pastors love you and trust you and are, uh, have welcomed you. Most of them, anyway. Most of them. <laughs> it's always one or two, right? No, I, I'm <laughs> sure, <laughs> I'm sure that, uh, it sounds like they really embraced you. So I, I love, um, everything you're saying about just trying to keep yourself fresh. It's so true. Sometimes when we get into the day to day of our office and, the challenges of what's in front of us, but to try to keep that open uh, and objective look is maybe that's the word I'm looking for. The objective look at the truth and the facts and the data and where we need to go next. So uh, Dave, I can't thank you enough for being on today's uh, show. And uh, if uh, folks want to reach out to you, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and put your contact information on, on the website. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jim. Really appreciate it. This was fun. You take care. All right. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. I want to thank Brandy Hollis and especially Dave DiNapoli for being on our show this week. If you'd like to connect with Dave, you can meet him at the ICSD conference next week in Chicago. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and the Pottery Studios for their support of our show. And just a reminder, don't miss our new sister show, Changing Our World, the podcast. 
with Scott Kaskoski. You can subscribe to both of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcast. And if you'd like more information about this podcast, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Have a great week. Take care. God bless. God bless.